This is Gary from the Church Vitality Network, and you're listening to Vitalnomics, a podcast for leaders in church revitalization and renewal. On this show, I will sit down with today's leaders to discuss the ideas, opportunities, and strategies they're making to bring clarity to vitality and see life again in their local community. This is a place to find encouragement, resources, and connections. Welcome to another episode of Vitalnomics. It's a new year, and if you're like me, you're asking God to bring vitality for the new year. And so many people around the country right now are in a time of prayer and fasting and just connecting with a lot of different churches, seeing a lot of people are in this 21 journey of uh, prayer and fasting. I know that our church has strongly focused on prayer, and we desire to see God activate his will in our lives for the journey. And so today's guest is Claude King. And Claude is no stranger to New England or around the nation when it comes to leading prayer movements and asking God to bring vitality personally and corporately. And so he's the author of many books, including the timeless classic that has expanded generation after generation called Experiencing God. Claude, welcome to the studio today. Thanks, Gary. Glad to be with you. I am so privileged because for me, it's like sitting at the feet of a spiritual Jedi. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but it's just, I feel like I'm just sitting at your feet and it's just so honoring to do so. Well, I'm, uh, I wouldn't consider myself a, an effective Jedi, but I, um, I'm glad to be with you and back in New England. Yeah, this is great. I mean, God has allowed you and has entrusted you with the ability to influence so many of us. Um, when you launched Experiencing God, I mean, this will bring everything into perspective. When you launched Experiencing God, I was in high school experiencing the devil. So I don't know what that means, but I just want to just thank you for being on this call with us and just having a conversation. Today, we're going to talk about developing a heart for vitality. And so, Claude, you're like a leading expert, at least in my eyes, on just what this looks like through a prayer focus. And so reflecting on your experience with various churches through speaking, through writing, through resourcing, through coaching, could you identify the essential elements for initiating a vitality movement within the local church? As I thought about this question, I went back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, where Israel is getting ready to enter into the promised land, and uh, Moses uh, says to the people, first of all, the Lord your God's going to circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart, with all your soul. Um, that's really, I think, uh, the heart of revitalization of vitality is that we get to the place we love God. And when the love relationship is right, it affects everything else. And Moses went on and he said, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in the heaven where you've got to send somebody to get it. It's, uh, it's in your mouth and in your heart. And he says, set, uh, today I'll set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. But he encourages the people to choose life. But in verse 17, it says, but if your heart turns away and you're not obedient and you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, then here's what I'm going to do to you. And as I've looked with Henry Blackaby at God's pattern for revival and spiritual awakening, I realize that 
God wants our vitality as individuals and as a church more than we do. And it's not that he's reluctant or waiting. He's he's looking for willing subjects who will uh, love him with all their heart. And then Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And when we keep his commandments, we experience the presence of God working in us and through us. We experience vitality. And so I really believe that the the essence of vitality begins with a love relationship with the Lord. And if we get that right, then God puts all the other pieces together. And so uh, I think that's really the heart of it. And I think you mentioned experiencing God. I think we saw a measure of revival in people in churches when they began to uh, experience an intimate love relationship with the Heavenly Father and realize God wants me involved in his work, and I get to be a part of something big. Uh, so that's been a revival experience for a lot of people. And if we can return to our first love, I think that's the big step in getting ready for uh, what God wants to do in a revived church. Wow, that's so powerful. I, I think many times when I, when I talk to certain pastors, not all pastors, but I've heard this phrase before. I've been confronted with this phrase, and the phrase is this. God is not moving in my church. And I've heard that over and over again. And, and so I want to just kind of give that phrase over to you and, and mm-hmm. ask this question, like, how can churches effectively cast the net for renewed spiritual vitality? Like share some insights on like wisdom of how to navigate such situations of statements like that, like God is not moving in my church. Well, uh, I think one of the things I would uh say, first of all, is this, if it's apparent that God's not working and moving and things aren't going the way you know they ought to be going, that's a good indicator that you have departed from the Lord, your church has, and there's a need to return to him. And that can, recognizing that you're not where you need to be in Fresh Encounter, uh, Henry and I talk about the departure, and we use the illustration of the plumb line in Amos chapter 7. God sets, built his people like a straight wall, but they had departed from him, and he says, I'm going to set a plumb line alongside my people Israel. The reason he does that is to show us how far we've departed from what he wants us to be, and it's a call to return to uh, his standards, his will, his purposes, and And so um, recognizing that things aren't going the way they ought to be ought to be a a call. It ought to be an alarm for us. Hey, we need to hurry back to the Lord. And uh, there are things that we can do to uh, to be restored to that life of vitality. Uh, I've written a book called Return to Me, and we'll probably talk about it in a little bit. But in Malachi chapter 3, God says to his people, I'll send my messenger to prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we were praying for God to come and, and restore his manifest presence among us, and God says, I'm going to be there suddenly soon, we shout hallelujah. But the prophet Malachi said, but who can endure the day of his coming? He's going to come like a refiner's fire. 
And when he comes as a refiner's fire in Malachi 3, he says, I'm going to start with the Levites. Well, that's the spiritual leaders. And if if your church is uh, not experiencing the vitality it needs, I would encourage you to start with yourself and say, Lord, would you refine me? Would you purify me? I, I remember the story being told of Gypsy Smith, a famous evangelist, and group of people asked him, uh, how can we be a catalyst for revival where we are in our communities? And he said, uh, get alone in your room, draw a chalk circle on the floor, stand inside that circle and ask, pr begin to pray and cry out to the Lord that he'll send revival to everything in the circles. <laughs> uh, mm. Start with me, Lord, revive me. And God's looking for revived leaders so that he can work through them. Uh, what God does in a pastor, when you realize your pastor's walking with the Lord, experiencing God's presence, it makes the gospel appealing. And you say, boy, pastor, I want what you got. Yeah. And uh, then the pastor can lead in a way that's different. The challenge uh, most pastors face is that they may have a congregation that's content exactly where they are, and they don't have any sense of need to be any different. And only God can cause people to want what he wants. And that, I, again, I think is the love relationship issue. And uh, Andrew Murray, in writing about this passage in Malachi 3, he said, a revived church is the only hope for a dying world. That's true in everybody's community. And he said that God's faithfulness in keeping his promise, and his promise in verse 7 is, I'll return to you. God's faithfulness in returning, restoring vitality to us is waiting on our faithfulness to fulfill the conditions. And the conditions are this, return to me and I will return to you. God's made us that promise. He's a promise-keeping God. He's waiting on us to return to him. And if we'll do our part in returning to him, he will restore life and vitality and we need to keep in mind, God wants our churches to be thriving and vibrant and alive and fruitful more than we do. And if we'll return to him, we can experience that kind of church. Going off of that return to me, many churches are trying to find the magic bullet. They're trying to find the next book. They're trying to find the next conference to bring some type of life into their church. And, and so I want to hear your thoughts on what strategies can a church employ to position itself for revival? Well, let me let me share a couple of thoughts with you. One, returning to our first love, uh, I wrote a book years ago called Come to the Lord's Table. The scripture tells us that God, we love God because he first loved us. And God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I really believe that the Lord's Supper is an ideal invitation, an opportunity for a church to return to their first love for the Lord. And if you get that right, then God can solve other problems. You remember the church at Ephesus, Jesus said, you left your first love. Remember the height from which you fall and repent. Do your first works. If we'll uh, return to our first love, uh, using the Lord's Supper as an invitation 
not just uh, 30 seconds of get ready, uh, get rid of your sin and get ready. We're getting ready to serve the elements. Uh, that's not what we need. We need to carefully examine ourselves and uh, judge ourselves lest we come under God's judgment. I've seen churches uh, use the Lord's Supper as a preparation to return to the Lord, and then God uh, returns to them. And so that's one one thing. Um, Mark Clifton talked to me one day. Mark works with the North American Mission Board in the area of church revitalization and church replanting. And he said, Claude, we need a tool we can put in the hands of a pastor that he can use to help his people in the spiritual process of returning to the Lord. And so I began to think about all of the problems. I've been working on this for 30 plus years to try to help churches that aren't what they need to be to become a healthy and vibrant churches. And I made a list of uh, issues that I knew churches would need to deal with uh, because the, the scripture is God's plumb line that can help us to measure ourselves. And as I begin to uh, try to help develop that, I basically what I do is share scripture with you and your church about what God says he wants us to be and get you to talk about that. What's God want us to be in this particular matter? And uh, once you've identified what God wants, then to ask the question, what would need to change in my life for us to look like that? Uh, to talk as a church, what would need to change in our church for us to look like that? And once you've identified what needs to change, then to ask the more serious question, what are we going to do about it? What am I going to change in my life to restore my practice, my beliefs, my values, to measure up to God's standard? What are we going to do differently as a church in order to uh, to be the people God wants us to be? And uh, you remember John the Baptist, when people were coming to him to be baptized, he said, you brood of vipers. <laughs> First, go and bear the fruits of repentance and then come be baptized. Well, we need to demonstrate our repentance by our actions. And so returning to the Lord's standards is that repentance where we we turn back to the Lord and we allow him to mold and shape our lives and our practice to measure up to his standard. And that's where we experience God restoring life and vitality and fruitfulness to us in our ministry. So good. So in, in your book, Return to Me, you explore different discipleship methods, challenges of, of leading a church. I know you have some examples from all your years of experience, but could you maybe give some examples of struggles that some churches have encountered to bring about change? Because we talk about change and people give the thumbs up for change, but when it's time to actually do it, that's when I, I feel like the resistance begins. The right. whole area of discipleship, what I have realized, you know, when I've talked to churches about the importance of making disciples who obey everything God has commanded us, uh, that's a challenge. And you can't make a disciple out of somebody who doesn't want to be a disciple. They're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to exercise the discipline. 
They're not willing to participate and attend and all those kinds of things. Those are the challenges that pastors face, and you can't change hearts unless God does it. One uh, promise that's really meaningful to me is in Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7. He says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. That's something God does. Pastor can't make that happen. But you begin to pray and say, God, how are you wanting to do that where I am? And what's my role in that? I mentioned the come to the Lord's table. I was asked to come to a church in upstate New York, not too far from New England. And uh, they were killing themselves. The director of missions called me, said, Claude, uh, they're about to kill this church. And if we don't do something, it's going to die. We can't afford to lose it. And I went to help this church. Division was present in the church, immorality in the church. And on the way up there, I said, Lord, if they don't deal seriously with sin, I can't help this church. And I sensed the Lord saying, Claude, invite them to my table and help them get ready. And so that's what I did. Got there on Wednesday. I could only stay through Saturday. Couldn't give them a Sunday. And I said, uh, folks, I was just wondering, would you all mind if we celebrate the Lord's Supper on Saturday before I leave? And they got excited about that. And then I said, well, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11 and begin to read. There are divisions in the church, and it shouldn't be like that. And I'm looking at these people who've asked me to come help them because they're fighting with each other. And people are leaving saying, I'll never go back to that church again. And then I continued reading a because you've partaken in an unworthy manner, some are weak, some are sick, some have died. I turned to this church congregation. I had about 25 people there. And I said, folks, it would be dangerous for this church to celebrate the Lord's Supper Saturday. And you could tell they were sober-minded. <laughs> they realized it would be serious if this is true, that it could cost somebody their life. If that's true, then we're not ready. And I said, if you're willing, I'll help you, and we'll get ready. And they were willing. We stayed till nearly midnight, three nights in a row, and dealing with all kinds of things. First place, though, is to focus on the cross. What did Jesus do for us there? Because when you understand how much he loved you and he's forgiven you, that ought to prompt us to have hearts of love for him. I helped them do that, helped them deal with sin issues. I helped them deal with pride and the need to humble themselves before the Lord uh, with broken relationships, either the need to forgive if you've been offended or to, to seek reconciliation if you're the offender, just all kinds of things. And they dealt seriously with the sin. And I remember Friday night, a lady came up to me as she was leaving. She said, there's an area of my life I'm not going to change, and I won't be here tomorrow. And I didn't argue with her. She needed to understand it's that serious. You don't come to the Lord's table with rebellion in your heart. Yes. But another lady came, and she was just bawling and said, you got through with that list of ways we can break, have broken relationships. I've got so many broken relationships. There's no way I can get those reconciled before tomorrow. What should I do? 
and I could tell her heart was broken over her sin. And I, I just said, I, you know, I think you need to come because uh, God knows your heart and you're broken over your sin. You need the nourishment of fellowship at his table to go and bear the fruits of repentance and reconciling relationships. And the next day we celebrated the Lord's Supper and it was a sweet time of fellowship. But interesting thing happened. One of those 25 people came up to me and she said, um, I think this is what I've been looking for all my life. And that kind of caught me off guard. I thought, well, what are you talking about? And I began to ask questions. I found out she wants to get saved. Yeah. She's not a believer. She owns the New Age bookstore in town. Mm -hmm. And she's been attending with her parents, her members of this church, and she's heard these people confessing their sin. And I'm thinking, what did you hear that you liked? <laughs> but it was that God's got a remedy for the guilt of sin. He can set you free, forgive you for that guilt you carry. And the other thing is God's got a, a can set you free from the power and dominion of sin in your life. And you don't have to continue to remain under the power of sinful desires. You can be set free from that. And uh, she wanted to get saved. I shared the gospel with her, but I said, I'm not going to ask you to decide today. It's going to cost you your life. But if you're willing to uh, surrender yourself and die to self, Christ will take up residence in your life and he'll enable you to experience his life abundantly and and I heard a couple of weeks later uh, or sometime later that she got saved. Her husband got saved. A daughter got saved. I helped that church get an interim pastor. They were without a pastor. And uh, he lovingly, sternly corrected a lot of things. But long story short, uh, in about six months later, they called a new pastor and uh he hit the ground running with this church that had returned to the Lord. And I got a call from the pastor search committee chairman a month later, six weeks later. She said, Claude, Thanksgiving uh, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, we had a packed house and six people got saved. Wow. And she called me in January and said, uh, Claude, uh, we're having to start a building campaign because we've outgrown our facilities well, this is a church that nine, 10 months earlier was almost dead. And uh, God, when they returned to him, God restored life and vitality. And, uh, and so I would say to a pastor, if God's not moving in your church, begin to say, God, what do you need to do in my life right. to, to move in my heart and life? And then would you show me how to help your people return to a first love for you so that uh, as they respond, uh, we can experience life and vitality. Now, you mentioned the Return to Me book and uh, essentially, what I've done is asked uh, people to examine the scripture, see what God wants, and then make a decision. What am I going to do to return myself to the Lord? And what am I going to do as a part of my church to return to the Lord? And and uh, here's the thing. Um, I, I was with uh, David Bryant, who started Concerts of Prayer International, and he, he was teaching leaders how to 
lead a concert of prayer. And he said, the way I see it, my job is to take people to God and he can take them from there. <laughs> and that's essentially what I've done in this book. I get you to read what God's got to say about what he wants mm -hmm. and, uh, and then to talk to him about it. And uh, my belief is that if people begin to talk to the Lord about what he wants in their life, they're genuinely converted and they, uh, they have a relationship with him. God wants them straightened out with him more than they do. And if they'll start talking to him about it, I believe God will reveal what needs to change. Yeah. And, uh, and then instead of the pastor having to manipulate or pressure or, uh, you know, whatever to get people to respond, people are becoming to the pastor, pastor, God's spoken to me. How do I do this? Would you help me do this? And together in small groups or as a church, they can begin to respond in a way that God prepares a church to be the people he wants them to be. That's so good. It's so good. I have a question that is dealing with maybe the younger pastor, like just starting revitalization. So they, and let me set the stage here. So they come out of seminary, they're going to change the world. And I'll just give my context. I'll come up to New England and then all of a sudden they'll, they'll last about two winters and then they'll go home because nothing's happening. My prayer is that they stay and they, they become multipliers. And so my, my question is, what would you say to a young pastor who's getting ready to come into a difficult area or a challenging revitalization situation? What would you say to them to encourage them? in ministry for longevity? Boy, I know that's a tough one because it's a reality for, uh, for so many, but, um, you know, I, part of what I've just shared, uh, I really think the beginning place is to, to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know you want to do things here that I can't make it happen. It's not up to me. It's not my skill and ability. You remember Paul, when he said to the Corinthian church, I didn't come to wow you with my oratory skills or my sound, powerful reasoning. I wanted my life to be a demonstration of your spirit's power. And uh, we have a tendency to think of Paul as the, hey, you wrote a third of the New Testament and you were a church planner and changed the world. Yeah. But um Paul would say, but you don't remember that I was the number one terrorist of the New Testament church and God saved me and changed me and he can change you. And uh, he said, come follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Essentially, hey, we're going after Christ's likeness and uh, God's doing a work in my life. And if you'll follow my example as I'm following Christ's example, you can get there too. Come on, I'll show you how. I'll help you. And I think if a young pastor can uh, so allow Christ to transform his own life and heart and then to, to be able to model that for his people and invite them to come, God's going to have to be the one to say uh, to the individuals in that church, hey, I want you coming after me. I want you to grow in Christ's likeness. But uh, when God starts saying that and the pastor is prepared to say, hey, I'll show you how. I, I don't have it all together, but together we can seek the Lord and we'll experience him. 
that God can set them on mission. I uh, was talking I, uh, to a, a guy in Alabama who was an inter, uh, an intentional interim at a church. And uh, he said, this was just a year and a half ago, church of about was run about 50 or 60, which is a big church in a lot of places. But um, they, their community had declined. The church had only old people. There weren't any young people in the church, no children. And three women in the church decided we're going to pray. And they started meeting in the nursery and uh, fell on their faces on the floor, just weeping and crying out to the Lord. They began to pray first for a young pastor to come and lead them. They were needing a pastor. And so they began to pray, and God called them a young pastor. They started praying for children. A 45-year-old lady in the church got pregnant. She said, what are you all praying? I'm too old to be having children. But they, they started praying, and something happened in the neighboring town that had a lot of uh, jobs, and those people started settling in, I think it was Camden, Alabama, and uh, so they started bringing their families to live in Camden, and in a year and a half, uh, the report came back that the church was running 200 seeing people get saved, and uh, the nursery was full, and they were struggling to get enough workers to take care of all the children that were coming. It started with some people who prayed and got connected to the Lord, and I, I think for a young pastor, one of the things to do is to help people, whether e even if it's just a few, begin to pray and uh, pray for God to do what he wants to do in that community and uh, how he wants to do it, and trust that if you're willing, he'll show you what he's got on his mind, and as you obey him, he'll uh, he'll begin to bring to pass what he wants to do where you are. Wow, it's so good. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast today, and I want to do something different for our listeners. I want to ask you, Claude, could you pray over the churches of New England and even in America, that they would be revived, that they would return to Jesus? Oh, I'd be happy to. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you that when I come to you, I, I'm just uh, wanting to pray that your will will be done. You already have a will for life and vitality in New England. Lord, I I remember the last time I was there getting testimony about three elderly people in Manchester, Connecticut, who got saved the week before I got there. And uh, hearing the testimony in Boston of a Muslim who came to faith in Christ and was getting ready to head home to Africa to introduce Jesus to her Muslim village and her Muslim family. And, uh, and in Vermont, 30-something people getting saved at a beast feast. And Lord, uh, you are able. <laughs> you were doing it then. You can do it now. And I, I pray that you will uh, encourage your leaders uh, that you are able. And uh, I pray, Lord, that they will come to you in brokenness or in willingness to allow you to work in them and through them. Lord, I pray that you'll fill them with your Holy Spirit, guide them to 
uh, correction. Lord, as I was reading in your word today, it was, you have given us the scriptures to provide correction and instruction in righteousness and to, um, to help us understand what you want from us. And I pray, Father, that you'll uh, guide churches, call them back to yourself, give them that new heart, uh, a circumcised heart that's in love with you. And I pray that as they return to you as their first love, you'll fill them up with your manifest presence and uh, begin to do what you have done in the past in New England to revive communities that in ways that can revive a nation for your glory and honor. So do your work, Lord, and I pray that you'll manifest yourself in a way that will bring you great glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.